This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When it comes to monuments and art concerning Black folks, as well as this kind of reckoning that's been happening over the last few years with taking down monuments, the monument story is about telling real truthful stories. So it's not just about kind of taking down white supremacist monuments, but it's like what kind of stories are being told in its place. And I just think that the power of individual stories are something that can really impact young people and elders to kind of activate and understand what kind of power we might have or we might have had at one point. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, we head up to Oakland, California to chat with my guest, Damian McDuffie. My name is Damian McDuffie. I'm an archivist, a technologist, and a community leader. And one of the things I'm most interested in is connecting Black history to travel, as well as making sure that there are ways for us to use our archives and our family history in creative ways. Damian is the Director of Brand Strategy and Archives at the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation where he works to preserve the legacy of the Black Panther Party and its co-founder, Dr. Huey P. Newton. He's also the co-founder of Wine and Bowties, a digital agency supporting art and culture in Oakland, as well as the founder of Black Terminus, an augmented reality studio creating AR works for Black arts and culture. Needless to say, he's a very busy guy. You're involved in a lot of different projects that center around the Oakland community specifically. Can you tell us what your connection to Oakland is and what makes it an important place for you? Well, I grew up in West Oakland. It's my first memory in my whole life, but my family has been in Oakland since about 1962, 63. And even the reason why we're here and we came to Oakland was uh, kind of the tail end of the Great Migration and some of the stuff that people were kind of looking for, for jobs in the shipyards and things like that. My grandfather was a cook on um, a lot of the shipyards in the Bay Area. And it just became a place that he wanted to start his family. And one of the things that really kind of uh, always kind of intrigued me as a kid is I would hear stories about Oakland, hear stories about parties and community and the Black Panther Party and things like that. But by the time that I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, especially West Oakland, it was very, very poor. There was a lot of violence. And then there was a lot of like happiness at the same time. And one of the things I always questioned was how did we end up in the ACOR projects we were from? Because you could see it in the physical makeup of the land where you can see the projects and then across the street, a whole slew of housing. So it's just kind of always intrigue. And then I later found out that Oakland has been a place 
that Black people have been coming to for opportunities for everything since before emancipation. So it's just always been something that's very interesting to me, and I always wanted to figure out creative ways to kind of introduce that to my grandmother and my nieces at the same time. I'm sure you are doing an incredible job of that so far. Oakland is known as the town. (laughs) I live in Los Angeles and I have been up to the Bay Area quite a bit and have friends from the town. They make it very well known that Oakland is where it's at. (laughs) So there's a lot of culture, a lot of black culture, a lot of community. But what I'd love to know is when you're entertaining people from out of town, what are your go to spots to showcase what Oakland has to offer? Everybody wants to be the person that introduced you to the real Oakland, quote unquote, but also just the spot that is just undeniable. When it comes to food, one of my favorite, favorite places in Oakland is Gregory's Gourmet. It's a a little spot. It's like a wholesale bakery started by Gregory. He's still in there cooking and it's probably going to be the best whichever item you have thing that you've ever tasted. Their cookies are amazing. She has this thing called Fat Boys where you mix peach cobbler and banana pudding. I would have never put that together, but it's it's amazing. (laughs) It gives you a good sense of Oakland because it's a small spot. You have to kind of walk down the stairs like you're in New York to even see it. It's only open for about four or five hours a day, and you really have to kind of catch it because when things are gone, they're just gone. So that's one of my favorite, favorite places to take people. And it's very close by the lake and all of that. So there's always the scenery. Grab a little snack at Gregory's and kind of just show off a little bit of the beauty of the town, especially in ways that I wasn't able to enjoy when I was younger. When you say the lake, are you talking about Lake Merritt? Lake Merritt, yeah. So, I mean, the lake is pretty much by everything, quote. So just depending on what side you're on, it's always an event just going to walk the lake or just going to lie by the lake or going to protest at the lake. It's a very, very important place for Black people today. And it's just a very important place for Oakland history as a place that like was really kind of like changed with gentrification and a lot of folks, my family included, having to move out into the suburbs or other places outside of West Oakland and East Oakland and North Oakland. When folks come back to Oakland, it's such a hot button issue because it's really like the place where they can come and still kind of feel like they're at home because a lot of them don't necessarily even have a home. So it's a place to congregate around there. So you get the stuff around like barbecue Becky and the politics of black people being able to be there is just a part of our history. And it's it's something like I've always kind of always wanted to make sure people know why the lake is something that's important to us and black people in Oakland, because there was in the 1940s and 50s all the way to the 60s, black people weren't really even allowed to kind of congregate around there. And, And when the first session of gentrification happened in the 50s and 60s after white flight when they're building bridges and freeways and all of that stuff. Everybody who had once, all the Black people who had once lived in West Oakland were all of a sudden dispersed all over the city. So then when they came back together, a lot of times it was at the lake. So there's a lot of history there. Oh, very much so. So one thing about Black culture, no matter where you are, is that it's going to be some sort of connection to food. So I love that you brought that up first. Mm -hmm. But 
our culture also has a very disturbing connection with history with water, you know, and what we were allowed to do and access and not. But you also touched on the deep history and the culture, you know, of Oakland. It is very much a city with deep history in the civil rights movement. Can you tell us more about the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation and the initiatives that the foundation is pursuing? Yeah. First, by starting off with who Huey P. Newton is. The great thing about being in Oakland and kind of doing some of this work is you can walk around Oakland and talk to elders and talk to so many people who have very individualized stories and histories with Huey and ways that they've impacted him and the ways that he's impacted everyone else. So in Oakland, Huey is really just like one of the elders of the community and one of the folks who are important to self-determination, a trait that's really ingrained in kind of Oakland community. As the leader, one of the co-founders of the Black Panther Party, he's one of the folks that really set forth this idea of organizing without so much marching and protests. What I think really set the Panthers apart was their entrenched kind of organizing around prisons and really recognizing how much the prison industrial complex really impacted everyday Black people from having mothers and sons in prison, having lack of access to going to visit, the cost of just having family members in that. I think they were tapping into something that's like what we are able to identify now, which is using creative placemaking, using a fundamental understanding of what it takes for people to survive and thrive, and then using those opportunities to teach people more about what they can do. So. That's what the Panthers in general mean for me. And then the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation was established to kind of continue that legacy and to also just kind of make sure that Huey's um, rhetoric and his beliefs are something that can be digested for years to come. I've been working with the Newton Foundation over the last two years to really establish ways to be able to see the legacy of the Black Panther Party and Dr. Huey P. Newton's legacy in the landscape in Oakland. Maybe up until about 2014, there was a mural of Huey put up in West Oakland, you could kind of walk around and not really guess that there was any real significant Panther history here. So one of the things I've been focusing on was helping to establish 9th Street where Dr. Newton took his last breath as Dr. Huey P. Newton Way, which was something that we were able to install in February. And then over the last year, I've just been focusing on an art installation, a sculpture of Huey, specifically done by Dana King, the artist, that would be installed at the foot of that street as well. And that last part is still kind of in the process, but it's looking very good. But in general, what I'm focused on is really just wanting to make sure that the Black history in Oakland is something that you can see and feel and that we're able to have these important conversations as we move that along. Why do you think it's important to preserve history through monuments, art installations, and museums? Well, I mean, my company is uh, Black Terminus. I really focus on creating a platform for augmented reality-based art and the Black cultural archive. And I think when it comes to monuments and art concerning Black folks, as well as this kind of reckoning that's been happening over the last few years with taking down monuments, the monument story is about telling real truthful stories. 
So it's not just about kind of taking down white supremacist monuments, but it's like what kind of stories are being told in its place. And I just think that the power of individual stories are something that can really impact young people and elders to kind of activate and understand what kind of power we might have or we might have had at one point. One of the things that kind of drives me is finding a photo of my mom from maybe like the 1960s and 70s. It's her, her twin sister, one of her best friends and one of her cousins. And they all have afros. They have black power fists going. They're very big smiles. And I was looking at my mom and it was like, I know that it's her, but I had never seen that version of her. I had never seen her so vibrant. I had never seen her with so much agency in a moment. And I was just very curious about who is that person and how did they get there and what was the reason for being. And I think there's so much that can be found in art and history and family artifact that give us just better connections. A few years ago, my grandmother on my dad's side passed away and I went back to her house last summer and I found like, I wish I had found more, but I found like two descriptions of some of her recipes. Hmm. And it was like, the recipes were very straightforward, but the paragraph before and the paragraph after the recipe and how she put it together and the way that she spoke, I realized I was like, oh, this is the family history right here. <laughs> like the way that you do things over time and continue to do them and the reason why they survive over time, that food is the history. So like where she learned that is the history. So that's where the travel comes in. And then the simplicity of photos that bring those memories back. That's where the digital piece comes in, saving some of these photos so that we can wake up memories and get back to a place where we can remember things that we forgot. When we come back, I asked Damien about his thoughts on the importance of arts and culture in a community, as well as dive a little deeper into his work using augmented reality to showcase Black art and culture. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. My guest is Damian McDuffie, a multi-platform storyteller and Oakland community advocate. In addition to his work with the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation, Damian is also very active in Oakland's creative scene. I speak with Damian about the importance of local art, as well as his cutting edge work and the intersections between art and technology. What is a thriving local arts scene mean to you? And how do you think people can support the arts communities of the places that they visit? 
Well, it means everything to me, even though I'm a classically trained writer and been an archivist and working in creative spaces and branding and all that. I feel like I've only started calling myself an artist out loud and in my head for the last four or five years. And really being in that scene, I understand that for Oakland, art is really the engine that moves everything. It's the artists that kind of come in and are able to take places that are suffering from illegal dumping, where people come from other cities just to dump trash in certain neighborhoods, from like rampant homelessness and just kind of physical blight. And you can walk around any day and see so many murals and so many incredible art pieces and it's you know something that just inspires me to do the work that i do adding augmented reality to art pieces and as a traveler like you know i spent a lot of time in mexico last year and just tracking down mural art i didn't realize how spoiled we are with the artists that we have and the caliber of art that they're able to do and the productions that they're able to put together I go to other cities looking for art, but I also come back kind of still in awe of the many now Black Panther murals that are all over the place, the vibrant colors that are everywhere, the culture and the arts, it's everything here. And it provides opportunities for pretty much the city, food vendors for people to come visit. If you come to Oakland, at the very least, come to see the art if it's on the streets or if it's in the galleries or if it's just kind of independent people, you can feel it here. There's no way to really kind of come here and not see it for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, I've definitely visited and seen some of the murals and the museums you may have described, and it literally is a vision. But let's talk more about Black Terminus. How did you get into augmented reality and what led you to start your studio? I feel like augmented reality kind of what allowed me to focus in on all of my divergent interests in one place. So the first person that introduced me to augmented reality was a friend, Calvin, who runs this organization called Wakanda Dream Labs. And they really focus on like long form storytelling and production. And right after he kind of introduced me to a glimpse of it, I was able to travel to Japan to visit the Team Labs Borderless Museum that they have. They have two of the premier immersive museums out there, as well as in Thailand, they have a museum in Paradise Museum that really kind of infuses lights and augmented reality and more interactivity to create one-of-a-kind experiences. When I went, I was just very fascinated. When I'm interested in something, I want to know everything about it. I want to know how it works. I want to know how much it costs. I want to know how to use it because when I saw the ability to look through your phone and see a digital version of something else kind of projected onto art, I immediately thought of it as a way to capture and tell family histories, to create digital obituaries, to tell stories of people from the past and make it interesting for people today. And as my interest kind of got really peaked, the pandemic hit. Of course. <laughs> and I just kind of like sat there and really, cause I was like, I had this whole plan to travel to every immersive augmented museum and just see how they do it and make connections like I do. And when that hit, 
I realized that there's a lot about making augmented reality experiences, virtual reality, is really video game making. And it's like, oh, you're not a data scientist. Oh, you don't know how to do any of this stuff. But now I have a little bit of knowledge of how it all works. And then I had some time on my hands. So I set this really ambitious goal of, okay, figuring out how to, I want to make my first augmented reality app I want to use one of my wedding photos and I want to put a video from my wedding photos onto that and people will be able to look through my phone and see this interaction happen. I always have my nephew in my head because anytime I ask him how he figured something out, he's like, just YouTube. And I was like, ah, that can be it. But okay, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. So I went on to YouTube, taught myself like the very basic kind of interactivity and all of that. And then it was kind of like just off to the races from there, being able to just see something that I didn't know anything about. And then on the other side, bring in my love of archives and capture a moment with my family and with my wife that can be shared in so many kind of like divergent ways. It just kind of like lit everything into me. And, you know, about a year later, I've been able to kind of build my platform. I'm going to be launching our app in about a month and a half at the end of July. And it's just something that kind of like I see as a way to tell more stories about Oakland, like the history of Oakland, the Black history of Oakland, really kind of give more opportunities for young Black folks to come in and learn what it's like to create augmented reality. Because I often think about what would social media be without Black people? What would be the internet community be without Black people? It wouldn't exist. So the big thing is we've always kind of jumped on platforms and had to kind of create the content. I'm trying to figure out a way where Black folks can learn how to create augmented reality experiences and also kind of continue to own their family history and use it in a creative way. So I haven't figured it out, but we going. So I love it. What are some of your favorite AR projects you've worked on? And can you describe the experience as a viewer? Mm-hmm. Well, so basically augmented reality is the mixture of the digital with the physical space. So what I do is create augmented reality experiences around art, around archives, so that when you open our app, you'll open to a camera. Once you pull your camera up to a particular art piece, we basically make the artwork come alive. So, for example, I just created one that's downtown that's on installation as part of a Story Windows exhibition. I do a lot of collage art with my grandmother's archives. And what I did was I created a collage art with all of her ancestors going back about 150 years and then some of her grandchildren. When I take my camera and you open up your camera, you look at that same picture that visually already by itself is an experience. But when you look at it through that camera, I created a GIF of a hundred different photos that kind of represent the diaspora of her family, the people who came from Georgia and Florida and Alabama and traveled to Oakland and the grandkids and all those people, five generations that were part of her family. So that's really the way that I use augmented reality. But the great thing about it is that you can add videos to a poster. You can scan whole murals 
and place them in a whole nother state or country. So I just came back from Dakar. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I like to connect different art spots. Dakar is the westernmost point of Africa in Senegal. West Oakland, where I live, is the westernmost point of Oakland. And they have a lot of the similar energy in completely divergent ways. But one of the ways that they're similar is a use and the power of political street art. So I just spent about a week there scanning art in the town of Medina in Dakar. It's one of the historically poor areas. And what they've done with art was be able to bring different artists in to paint folks' homes, to create mural art outside of it, and actually prevent some of those homes from being deemed destitute or to be taken down. And that's something that also has happened in Oakland. So what I love is being able to go there, scan those murals, and then bring them back to Oakland, place them onto the ground in augmented reality, and they can be at scale. And you'll be able to experience the same mural just in a digital and physical space. So I think that's the sky's the limit. My goal is to get it together and then figure out what the younger people what kind of ideas they're going to come up with, how to use this to connect history and travel and all of those things. Oh, my, that sounds really neat. I want everybody to get a passport and go see these places for themselves. But I love the fact that for those who can't or won't or don't have another option of still experiencing the world through AR. So that's really, really cool. And it works on the other side. We're scanning murals in Oakland as well so that when I go there, I'm able to show them some of the amazing art physically with other artists and other students. So eventually there's going to be some real exchange and connection between the students there and students in Oakland. And hopefully I can replicate that with other partner cities. So finally, my last question is, do you have any tips for travelers who are thinking of visiting Oakland on their next trip to the Bay Area? Well, my first tip is come to Oakland. That's <laughs> the most important thing. And just ditto everything that I said around like the importance of art. Really take some time and carve out like specific time to visit different parts of the city just to see the street art in general. But the other part is I really recommend just coming to Lake Merritt, really relaxing in Oakland is going to be the best way to experience it. Because the biggest factor is really it's people and just absorbing our energy and kind of like going with some of that. The most important thing when coming to Oakland is understanding that there's nobody here that knows all of the answers and knows everything. And we really, really appreciate, we really respect, respect and very, very good vibes. So you can bring your family, you can bring your, your cousins, you can bring everybody, but it's really about coming with the right energy and you're gonna get so much more from Oakland in that way. Very much so. I love what you just said, respect, respect. And then I'm just gonna add and expect respect as well. Mm, yes. I've seen that take place and it's no joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Just move with that feeling that everybody's respectful and you'll do great here. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Just in your experience coming to Oakland and experiencing its people and things like that, is there something that changed for you and your opinion of Oakland or something that you were surprised by when you got here? Mm. Well, I think one of the things that I was surprised about 
let me give a little bit of context. When I think of the Bay Area, I think of rappers. I think of E40, Too Short, you know. You ain't the only one. <laughs> yes, you know. And so to go up there and to actually see and experience like the hyphy movement, that is what I associated Oakland with. Mm-hmm. However, there is so much more to Oakland than the music scene. And when I was able to go there and go to some of the black owned restaurants, mm-hmm. eat the food. Miss Ollie's. Yes, exactly. Miss <laughs> yeah. Ollie's. Go to the museum and just see black people in their element, which is very much different than growing up in Los Angeles and Southern California. It was very eye opening for me. And there's a very stark difference between Northern California and Southern California in, in terms of the culture and the community of black people. And so I felt like I was walking into a, another world, but I left with more information about the Black Panther Party beyond what you're taught in school to actually hear it literally from the horse's mouth. You know, people who have either, as you said, have stories with Huey P. Newton or were a part of the Black Panther Party themselves. Because a lot of people, when they think about the Black Panther Party, they think about it just being militant. But they don't understand the origins of what it did for the community, the free lunch program for the children, the rehabilitation portion, you know, of the prison system. I feel like it's conveniently left out for a narrative that when you go there, you will be much more well-informed and then you can go and spread the true word of what the Black Panther Party was about. And um, that was something that I needed and was necessary. So. Oh, we appreciate you. (laughs) No worries. No worries. But thank you so much for coming on. This is a great conversation. I like how you flipped it on me. You you interviewed the interviewer. (laughs) Uh, I'm not mad at that. But thank you for your time. Thank you for your dedication. And thank you for what you're doing, both visually, both historically, and for the culture and for the community. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks. This has been Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm Kelly Edwards. My guest this episode was Damian McDuffie. Follow Damian on Instagram at wordxlife and learn more about his work with the Dr. Huey P. Newton Foundation at hueypnewtonfoundation.org. And check out his work with Augmented Reality at blackterminus.com. Be sure to follow Let's Go Together on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show, we'd really love it if you could leave us a rating and review. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Let's Go Together, where we'll be talking with the Gambles, a family who sold their home last year to spend their COVID lockdown on the road in their RV Thelma. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yuh. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks also to the team at Travel and Leisure, Deanne Krasersky, Nina Ruggiero, and Tanner Saunders. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And you can find me at Kelly Set Go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week for more from Let's Go Together.